Thanks for listening to the Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to RockAuto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write Corolla in the How Did You Hear About Us? So that is Corolla, C-A-R-O-L-L-A, in the How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know we sent you an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. Well, the Iceman, Chuck Liddell, is going to join us and talk about some of his bare-knuckle fighting in Brazil days as well as everything else. And uh, we'll get into uh, Mark Garagos going to call in and uh, give his opinion on the verdict. And we got the news. First, let's say about LifeLock. 60% of Americans believe... It's likely that identity theft will cause them a financial loss in the next year. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day, we put our info at risk on the Internet. In an instant, cyber criminals could harm your finances and your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert. You'll have access to a dedicated restoration specialist. Protect yourself and your identity with LifeLock. Right, Dawson? No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours yours with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com. Promo code ADAM. That's LifeLock.com. Promo code ADAM for 25% off. The Adam Carolla Show presents Chuck Liddell's birthday cocktail party for December 17th. Let's see who's invited. The publisher of Penthouse Magazine, Bob Guccione. Hide the porn, Pope Francis is here. From the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, Paul Butterfield is on the guest list. From Ghostbusters, Ernie Hudson. Chris Matthews. Eugene Levy. Bill Pullman joins us. Peter Farrelly is here. Giovanni Ribisi. Mila Jovovich. Manny Pacquiao. And the best company of all, from Bad Company, Paul Rogers. Chuck Liddell is on the Adam Carolla Show. Wow, that could be one of the most diverse, solid cocktail party guest lists we've ever heard, Chuck. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, 
didn't do much. Just born that <laughs> Got day. born. Yes. Got born. <laughs> You're being modest, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck's got a podcast, Icebreakers with Chuck Liddell and Adam Ray, who we love. So Talk much. about diverse. I know. First guest uh, is uh, Dana White, president of UFC. Well, I guess the first thing we should talk about is Ben Askren and Dana White and, uh, you know, Jake Paul and all that business. Where's uh, what do you think? Uh, it, it is what it is, man. I mean, I, I was there. I was there at the fight. I actually got talked into going like the day before we flew out there and went. And um, yeah, I mean, he got knocked out. I mean, I he was I mean, I, I, could they have let it go a little bit longer? I mean, would it have made a difference? Not really. I don't think he got. I mean, he was he was still he was still wobbled a little bit. He was still. I mean, you could see from the side he was still not a hundred percent there. But I mean, I I mean, in a normal fight, I would have been like, yeah, they should let it go for a little longer, give him a chance to win. But I don't think I don't think uh, Ashkin had much shot at anything. He looked. I didn't. It didn't look like he had a very good strategy going in at all. I mean, I, I was expecting him to come right out and just stay on top of. Jake, Jake the whole time, right? Stay on top of Jake the whole time, and you know, pressure him and get him tired, and then you know, try to hit him in the later rounds. Well, the thing about uh, Ben, he's a world class wrestler, but his striking obviously leaves a little something to be desired. But you were a Division One wrestler, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, but you were known as one of the best strikers in the UFC. So what? How how did that work uh, well, for you? I started before I wrestled. I was doing karate. I've been doing karate my my whole life. I mean, I, I well since I was twelve, and I like I I would you know even in high school I I used to do karate after wrestling practice. I go karate after football practice. I, I trained all the time, and then when I was done wrestling in college, I started kickboxing. Mm-hmm. And I actually had two boxing matches. And I had you know twenty kickboxing matches before I started fighting in the UFC. So, so you had that base. Yeah, Ben really looked almost inept with his hands. He just didn't um, seem he's comfortable. Always been that way. He, he, the funny thing is, he even said it. He's all, "You picked Jake. You picked me because I'm probably one of the worst strikers in the UFC. <laughs> That's how you wanted you want a guy." But you know, he said he was going to do something different. But you know, it is what it is. I mean, what what's the sensation? As best you can describe it, is when you get knocked out or knocked down, like Ben was knocked down. What what does it feel it's, like? And that's what really you hard to explain. When you get knocked out, you don't remember it. Like mm-hmm. I mean, people for you lose time periods. Right. Like you don't remember the last. I mean, I had one of my my fighters one time get knocked out in the third round, and then. When they were raising the other guy's hand, he threw a fit because he forgot the fight started. He thought the fight was just about to start. They thought they just came in the ring. It's like, sur- it was like waking up from surgery. Like, <laughs> oh, we, we're done? Yeah, he was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. It start- it, no, the fight hasn't started yet. You, no, you fought three rounds. You got knocked out in the third. <laughs> you know, sorry, bro. Um, but you, you forget some time a lot of times. Are you uh, looking forward to the possible John Jones Francis Ngannou fight is you think that's going to happen if it does happen when's it going to happen what do you, you know, think of I it? don't know anything about whether or not it's going to happen if it, I mean I, it's an interesting fight I mean I it'll be it John stepping up and and uh and going after uh Ngannou's Ngannou's a big boy and he's you working I've been working on his striking st- striking away oh wrestling his, his wrestling yeah. yeah working on his wrestling and you know, he's very athletic and, and a big guy, so uh, we'll, we'll see. I think John, John's a smart fighter. I mean, if he goes up, he thinks he can take him down and and control him. That may be one of the few or even first—I um, don't know. Will you tell me what you think? That 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 fight 
the Francis Ngannou and John Jones fight could be the fight that transcends, you know, the UFC past, you know, other sports, you know, boxing. It'll be bigger than any boxing match in probably the last five years. There's been a couple of good heavyweight bouts in there, but that that really is going to take it to the next level. I think that would capture a, a lot of audience and a lot of imagination. Yeah, and uh, Nagano's got a lot of hype right now. A lot of quick, very quick knockouts. Uh, Handles some really tough, tough guys, and you know, and John coming up. But you know, it, it, it'll be an interesting fight. Uh, well, see, Adam, being hmm. a former boxing uh, coach yourself, had the same insight as you, Chuck, about. Um, I forget what it was about the fight with uh, Jake Paul, but did you also observe that perhaps um, his opponent Askren came in maybe a little um, out of shape? He looked out of shape. I mean, I, I mean, it, that was other insight that Adam had. I mean, like, but uh, yeah, he didn't, he didn't look. Like, I mean, it almost looked like he came. He, he got a got a paycheck and didn't show it. Didn't train for it. But I, I mean, he, he obviously didn't have a game plan for it. I mean, he, he should. Oh. I mean, I. I don't know anybody that's seen him strike that doesn't and doesn't say you need to stay on top of him and not not stand back and give him space. He should have never given him any space to 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 throw punches. The other insight was letting but, the fight go a little longer. He said the same thing. That, that yeah, I, I mean they 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 could have let it go. It wouldn't have made much difference. I don't think um, at all. Um, but you know, it's one of those things. And people that complain about a lot of the stuff on that show, I, I heard a lot of the stuff afterwards because I was there and talking to people that own it and run it. And it's like, what, what did you think you were buying? Like, <laughs> you're buying celebrities fight like uh, overmatched, like uh, unmatched fights. Uh, uh, you're fight. Uh, you have a reggaeton guy fighting like a billionaire, or, or a rich guy. Like the, the, the fights. I mean, like, I mean, come on. Like, uh, it's like it's well, you're watching guys fight that don't usually fight. I feel the same way you know, about that, that, people. That, People when they go to uh, the Subway sandwich joint, they they order like the lobster bisque yeah. roll, and then they go, Bad "This move. sucked." It's like it was three dollars. What did you, what did you <laughs> think yeah, you were going to get? It was yeah. crab with a K. Yeah. I right. mean, if you want, if you want to go, if you're there for that entertainment, that's the kind of entertainment you're expecting. I, I did not expect anything um, more. Like, and, then, and actually, I, I, I like the the fight with the kid. Just I, don't, I forget the kid's name, but the boxing fight with the kid who he dropped the kid with the body shot. It was a body shot. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a low blow, but, but that, that was a, that was a decent fight. That was fun to watch as far as skill. The guys are actually That's real a pre- boxers. Prelim fight, yeah, one of the prelim fights. And but like the main fights, you bought this thing to watch. You bought, the people that bought it bought it to watch the watch the the show. They wanted to watch these these acts, you yeah. know, perform, and they and you wanted to watch guys that don't usually fight fight. So that's what you bought. Like, don't complain about it. It's like going back and complaining about, oh, there wasn't quality fights there. Well, if you want quality fights, go fuck. You know, you buy the UFC. You right. buy buy a you know a real real boxing card. You know, like it's you you fought Randy Couture Couture uh, three times and Tito Ortiz three times. Rashad Evans, oh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, Rampage Jackson, who. He was amongst the scariest when he was kind of in his prime. Uh, let's see, Brian, from uh, A Team, he he played yeah, uh, NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were there any guys? Brooke Shithouse. Oh, Alistair Overeem, yeah, as well. Were uh, and you're not going to say you were scared of any of these guys, but were there guys that you're more concerned with getting into the ring? Not, not, re- not really. I mean, I was always, I always thought I could beat him. Like whoever I fought, even after the fight, even when I lost, I'm mean, like, man, I know I did something that wrong. Like, I, give me another chance. I got this guy. I can beat him. I know. I know I can do it. You know, I was kind of. I mean, whether it's smart or not, but as a fighter, I think that's kind of. 
just your your mentality. I think a lot of a lot of guys are just I, you know I I know I can beat this guy. I know I can do it. I know I can. You weren't ever walking around beforehand intimidated. Is no, I, I was not a guy who's going to be intimidated. I, I like fighting. I love fighting. And I always thought I was going to be here, no matter how, how good you were. I, knew, I mean, someone like uh, Alistair. Alistair, that guy, he's a great kickboxer. I knew I knew I had to take him down and, and make him worry about me taking down. Then I could strike with him. You know, I, if I just had a straight kickboxing match, he probably would have beat me. But in a, he was a, So you beat Alistair over him? Yeah, I knocked him out in, I think, first round, I think. Alistair Overeem is another one of these guys, if uh, Chris finds the right picture. He looks pretty good in his board shorts. I can't wait to see. I think you would would like... I'll be the judge of that. I think he would be uh, a bit of okay for you. And... I don't know. Has he had 50 fights now? I mean, he just never stops fighting. Yeah, he's been fighting for a long time. He's, he's, still, he's still going. Yeah. Uh, so for you, other than the podcast, what is your what is your life like? Semi-retirement? Semi-re- is there another fight in uh, you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. You're always a fighter. Once a fighter, you're always a fighter. I always love fighting. I love training for fights and getting ready for fights. Want to call out Jake Paul? Oh, God. <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I mean he, he needs to fight. I mean, if he needs to keep working his way up slowly. I mean, if he wants to keep fighting, I mean, he's, he, he's a young kid and he like he likes it. He's training hard. I talked to some guys who train with him, and I, you know, I don't want to knock it, but you know, he's he needs to keep keep with guys that don't you know keep working his way up. That's, I mean, if he d- tries to jump up too fast, and, and that'll be it. It's gonna be trouble. I mean, because you know, I hear guys calling for him to fight. You know, more like a UFC guy that's more more of a striker or even a striker at all um, would be nice. But uh, but like I, I think he can run into some trouble there. You know, but we'll see. You know, he'll get tested because uh, that definitely didn't test him. Chuck has uh, exquisite power in his hands. He's heavy-handed, as we've talked about. That's a good thing. Uh, you don't want to be heavy-breasted. Sorry, Gina. God but damn it. Heavy-handed. Oh, actually, there's some perks to that, but uh, <laughs> guy, there's just a not natural, the ring, not the octagon. there's a natural strength and power that some people have that others don't possess all the training, all the technique. I don't know what it is. It's kind of like how Daryl Strawberry was a beanpole and could hit mm. the ball 460 feet. It was just, he had a way to utilize his body. Well, and the only other person I remember you saying that about recently is Mike Tyson. Well, Mike. Yeah. Well, Mike Tyson was a, a kind of um, he was a master class in leverage. Mm. When you th- when you saw Mike, the thing about uh, the thing that made Mike Mike is he threw combinations that middleweights throw as a heavyweight. So some, th- you know, oh yeah, he, fighting- was, he was one of those guys that I always said in the beginning, like especially in the beginning, um, Customato was still around. He was he was a bo- he boxed you with with. Tremendous power, mm-hmm. right? Like I think later on in his career, he started just throwing power, a lot of power shots, and, and I think that's when he. There's a there's an element of boxing which is there's a reason why gymnasts are all five foot one or mm-hmm. four foot nine. You physically can't pull off what they're doing right. at six foot three. So heavyweights, most of them, as they get longer and their wingspan grows and grows, they have trouble pulling off the combinations of the compact. Yeah, that's why your Sugar Ray Leonard's look so masterful out there. And when you see the heavyweights, they look a little more lumbering, you know. But Tyson, as a heavyweight, was pulling off those combos. He would do 
this combo where he threw a right hand to the body and then stepped back and threw a right uppercut, and it was devastating. And heavyweights aren't used to seeing that. They're used to, you know, jab, cross, hook, you know, but not those kinds of combinations. Agreed, Chuck? Oh, right, agreed. I, Tyson was really good at throwing those, getting inside and throwing those throwing those quick combinations. And, you know, you didn't know which one's going to have, have that knockout power on it, and he, he hit hard. Well, I'm not, not telling anybody that, but everyone knows he hit like, he, man, he's, he's a machine. It's fun to watch, man. Do, do, what do you think about this sort of seniors tour with uh, him and Holyfield and all that kind of stuff? No, Roy, Roy I'll Jones watch Jr. it. You know, I, I was kind of disappointed the, fir- the first show, not not from the fight, because that's what I expected, you know, like uh, watch him move around. But but um, I, I, they didn't have a walkout. I kind of, I kind of, I missed the old walkouts. And I wanted to see an old school Tyson Pump. walkout. And they yeah. just kind of, it was like two seconds. Like, okay, they're done. I just walked out. Damn it! Like, where, where was the? Where's that? I want to, I want to see, I want to see that 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 menacing walkout. Just, just get flashback to when watching them fight back in the day. You know, it was, it was really cool. How are the purses in the UFC now? I mean, they they passed boxing it seems yeah I'm, I'm i'm actually not sure i'm not i mean i when i was when i was fighting it, it was hard to tell because i you know like for the commission uh i the amount i was getting paid said five hundred thousand. you know but i got automatically got more on the on the back end like more like just for for ancillary rights for each fight so i mean right. i was getting paid a lot more than five hundred thousand when they said i was paying, getting paid five hundred thousand so I think the UFC really did that so they didn't have to negotiate against themselves. <laughs> you know, oh, Chuck's only getting five hundred thousand. <laughs> you know, like. A, what do you think? One of your big Tito Ortiz fights or Randy Couture fights? What, what do you think it would get you now if that fight was scheduled for July? Man, I've been I've been out of the, the that side of it for so long. I, don't, I I'm not sure how much. I mean, but I I think I don't know. I, I really don't know how much they they're paying now, but I, I we would have got paid really well. Can uh, I break Gina's in? got some breaking news. Sorry, I'm kind of communicating with Chris here a little bit. Um, uh, he started writing count one guilty. That was unintentional murder. And then just kind of gave up and said guilty across the board for the Chauvin case. Wow. For three, two. The, across the board. The firing into the crowd one. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like they didn't want the place to burn. Uh, I have a prediction. I say there's going to be some burning anyway. No? And Celebratory, the, like after the like Lakers, Lakers win? win? Yeah, right. No, I just feel like uh, if you want to loot, you're going to loot. Well, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> that's the way I feel. We'll see what the news looks like well, tomorrow. Thank God, because I was going to be riding piggyback on Chuck outside of the studio. <laughs> Chuck is going to literally going to have him carry me out to the car and then jog <laughs> alongside the car as I try to make my way home. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, pulling it. Man, I, I left my gun at home. Um, <laughs> all right. You brought, your, here. Think be all right. You brought your fist. Yeah. Yeah. And I got my killer dog, Phil, right. here. Yeah, he, if you wake him He's up. He's laying on somebody right now. I have to ask. We, we generally do tend to ask this as a joke at some point but but we got to know we i think i speak for everybody are your fists registered in any state yeah, I, I've, I've heard that before but it's not i think i mean it's I, don't it's say it's an urban legend I, I mean, no one's so that i mean i'm held to a higher standard of of excessive force i'm right. held to a higher standard i gotta because you have to you have to come you have to convince a jury that you were you're in fear for serious bodily injury sure 
So if I come up and punch a guy, like if, if, he, if I go up and punch him, like please don't, I, I, please do not, please I, am, not do I mean, how am I? I'm supposed to convince them that I was scared he was going to hurt me. Actually, that's really I was really scared he was going to yeah, hurt me, so I had to get just him. Brian was coming right for you. But I, but I say like if my, like you know if, you know if someone's attacking my wife or my right. kids, I, I have every right to defend them, and, and it's a lot easier. I was worried about their safety, right? And no one's going to question me whether I so so it just you know, depends on what happens. Okay. Um, so, Didn't like that. what fights? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pointing at Brian the whole time. What what fights coming up uh, in the UFC? Are you yeah eyeballing? Are you excited oh, about? Who's who's Masvidal? I, I like Whoa, to see. I like yeah, to see. that's going to be that's a super fight, right? Yeah, and, and I I'm, I mean I'm looking forward to seeing because you know, Masvidal did pretty well for not having for for taking on a week's notice, flying to Dubai, and then and cutting twenty pounds right before the fight. I mean. I mean, it's a, oh, for it's fight, a, fighting Usman. Yeah, when he fought Usman the first time, right. so I, I thought he did pretty well. So, you know, I'd be interested to see if he can. Uh, Usman, looking at some stats here. Yeah, uh, is it Cameroon? Usman. Usman's another one of those guys who looks pretty good in his underpants. Gina. I'll be the judge. Yeah, you can find uh, Usman in his underpants, but you you uh, you have to find uh, Alistair Overeem too. First off, the guy's name is Alistair. Oh, damn. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's a bit <laughs> all right. Yeah. He's good looking. If and you cast him as a fighter, it'd be like, nah, it's one of the nose. <laughs> he's built like a brick shithouse. Now, he probably, we're looking at a picture of him probably fighting at heavyweight. He probably fought Chuck at light, light heavyweight. Light yeah. heavyweight. So it was he, quite a few years back. Light heavyweight? We're looking at him as a heavyweight. Oh, okay. Light heavyweight is still 205, right. and they still get into the ring at 218, 225. 20, yeah, 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 somewhere in there, yeah. So. Right, so light, you remove the word light right. from heavyweight in your mind, because light Got heavyweight it. is still 205 Look pound Look at that, guy. always with the, um, with the upside down triangle, you know, the, the shoulders yes, and then yes, that little waist. Yeah, he's, uh, did, that, uh, did you ever factor that in, the guy with the dad bod? Not that you fought a lot of dads, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, is the guy with just the crazy muscles that you go, that's I'm going to gas him out early, or did you go, God, that's a little scary, or I'm attracted to him, I don't want to get a boner? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I fought Randleman early. I mean, I, Randleman was a beast. Like, you know, like right. a Huge, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I never really... I always always thought size. I always felt like at, at two hundred five at least, if they're juice, getting juiced up and big, big to, to get to that weight, I, I'm cutting down. I've been. I mean, by the time I, I think my last last fight, my my lean body mass was two hundred four point five or something Damn. like for my when I got my body mass tested, and so you know, I'm fighting at two hundred five. So you can't be have much more muscle than me at that weight. Right. Right. You know, so would you hide? Would you hydrate back up? Fifteen pounds before you got oh, it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I only, I well, I, I'd kind of, I don't, I'd, I'd be walking around two fifteen. I didn't like carrying a lot of extra weight for a fight week, but I walked around most of camp about twenty five, two twenty five. But I, I, but I get down to about about two fifteen right before cutting weight. I cut ten pounds at the end. Water. What would uh, can you walk us through that? I'm always interested in how you cut 10, for, 15 for, pounds for, in a day. Yeah, 10, ten pounds that was really easy for me. I, I'm fully hydrated. I put on plastics. It took me about I like break a sweat. I could do a little bit, bit of little sprints and and break a sweat, and then I just kind of just move around for about an hour and a half, and just kind of just keeping the sweat going, keep it going, and I I lose it, 
this is really fast. I, it's just all water and it's it's really quick. I mean, there was times I, I had the worst I did was in fighting was I had to do I did nineteen and a half pounds in in uh, less than twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, and I and it was a day of weighing too. I had to weigh in at twelve and fight that night. Wow, so, so you so could was, be weak. Yeah, I was a little. I mean, I was cramping a little bit going into that that final uh, going into to the warm up for the for the for the fight, but it turned out good. I kicked the guy in the head, and knocked him out, so it was okay. Just to contrast, um, one time I did a year and a half of Weight Watchers, twelve pounds, <laughs> twenty four hours, nineteen and a half pounds. Yeah, well, nineteen and a half, but they don't stay off. Okay, <laughs> they, well, they don't stay off for long. I get some chemo next time. I want to drop like you know thirty pounds real quick. What <laughs> uh, What would you eat? Right, well, not right before, but like, what would you want in your system? How long before you entered the octagon? You know, honestly, I try to eat normal, whatever I, the diet I'd had coming up to, because I I didn't have a nutritionist for a long time coming into fighting. When I first started fighting in the UFC, a guy was helping me out with my nutrition, and he, he made a good point to me. He's like, "Look, man, you give me eight weeks, give me one more day." After weigh-ins, just keep eating the same way we've been eating. And then after the fight, go and eat whatever the hell you want. Um, and that made sense because I was used to wrestling because when we wrestled, you go make weight and then go eat all Pick the junk out. you couldn't have while you're w- cutting weight. And like, oh, like, well, now you feel terrible the next day because if I go eat, if I cheat on my diet, uh, like I did a cheat day, we do a cheat day. I, I, I mean, the next day I feel terrible. Yeah, like, like a just, hangover. Like, I, yeah, it's like a hangover from eating, eating a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, it was a, the best advice I ever got. Was just uh, give me one more day. Just eat more. So I eat basically like a normal, normal meal, meal plan kind of meals all the way up till, um, you know, I, uh, up until I fought. So if you fought at I don't know eight at night in Vegas, what would you? When would you do dinner? And what would it be? Uh, I, um, usually about six o'clock. You know, like right before we think we had us out of his head over to the arena. And then, I, and I, I don't usually eat some kind of pasta, some some something something simple. I, I carbo load. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't know if I was even trying that. Just something I normally eat that was easy to eat because you know just didn't want it to be too heavy on me. Mm. Uh, how'd you get hooked up with Adam Ray? By the way, we love Adam Ray. I do lots of stuff with Adam Ray. You know, um, a guy called me and, and I, Ari called me and asked me. Um, uh, you know, he books me for some shows here and there, and he called me up and said, hey, Adam's looking to do do a podcast. Do you want to do a, do a podcast? And actually, I said, okay, I'll come down and talk to you. So I came down and, we came down and talked and tried, kind of, hey, let's just try it. Let's see see how, how we feel talking to each other. And it, it went real smooth. And it was it was really cool. It was it sounded great. And uh, actually, I'd never seen him do his comedy. His comedy routine. I'd never seen him do any of his comedy stand up stuff at all. And how, actually, how many I was minutes actually, was devoted to Tony Danza? He does a lot of Tony Danza impressions. I, I don't know that he did oh, any okay. that day. I, I don't know that he did. But uh, but actually, we went. I finally and I went to I went to Austin and we were in, I was in Austin with him and he was doing a show there. So I went and saw his show and man, he was good. Man, I, he was funny. I, I had a great time. Okay, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad he's funny too. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. He's I, hilarious. But he was. He was. Yeah. yeah, he's okay. Um, <laughs> no, we love Adam, and he opens for me sometimes, and we do stuff together all the time. Um, I like the subject of this fear because it's it's interesting. So ninety nine point nine percent of the population would be have kittens in their stomach before a fight, right? The days going in, like it would really get to most people. 
But it's sort of like, I don't know, being a necrophiliac or something, like 99.9. Well, (laughs) 99.9% of the population is disgusted by it, but 1% digs it. I mean, 0.1% really fucking likes it. Yeah, and I really like being out there fighting. Like I love being out. Like I want. I like trying to figure out, figure out, trying to trying to take you apart, and I and trying to put you to sleep. What what uh, what if there was nobody in the audience? Would it have? Would you feel it, the exact same way about I feel it? The same way. Uh, if I'm just trying to prove I'm better than you. What percentage? Not to anybody else, but me and you. Is that uh, that probably needs to be a component of all champions? But I always say it. Uh, always say it this way. But you can tell me if you agree or disagree. So 99% of the population, you hit them hard and they go, shit, that hurt. Yeah. I don't want that to happen again. again. And then the 1% goes, fucker, I'm going to get you back. That's, right. that's that mindset. That's right. the fighter mindset, yeah. right. Right? right? And what percentage, though, of the guys truly have that mindset? Because there are guys out there that are skilled and they're good and they have the physique and the technique and everything. But they still are can be apprehensive, have nerves, not not be scared of other guys, not yeah. have the zero thoughts about it. Like well, Chuck. Lot, some guys, but yeah, it's a lot of guys, guys have different things to get them up for a fight. Some, some just need to have those nerves. Actually, they kind of, you know, and then it, just, it doesn't go away till they start to, you know, start the bell. Right. You know? And some, some need, they need to get hit to go, Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's real. Now I'm ready. Let's do yeah. this. Um, then you got other guys that have problems with, it, and that's the problem with the guys that, that don't like to, I always say, Oh, that guy doesn't like to get hit. And if you make it obvious that you, or scared of getting hit, like, well, it's really hard to, to defend yourself, you know, like, because it, it's easier to pick you apart because you're going to react to everything I throw. Right. Every, every fake I throw, you know, you're going to react to everything because you're afraid to get hit. How much, how much can you tell by the first few steps the guy takes toward you? I was watching Jake Paul and this other fight, or maybe it was his brother logan i don't i don't know what it was it was another one of the celebrity right. you know boxing matches and Sonny and i were watching it and they rang the bell and the guy who was fighting took a step and a half out and i said to my son he's getting knocked out in the first round because i could just see the way he stepped out was was off now you're fighting at a much higher level so you're not going to deal with that but you are going to deal with a posture and a sort of yeah, a look and, in the eye. And look in the eye. And then a lot of times you can see by just you throw a jab. You throw, and there's a lot of things I throw right away just to just to see how he's going to react to it. Like like back back in the old kickboxing days, I'd go out and throw. One of the things we did right away is I'd always go throw a big haymaker, just big overhand right. Land it. John didn't care where I landed. He, he, he blocks it. Hit, hit him in the shoulder. Just hit him somewhere with it. Let him know you hit really hard. Right, you know, let him know that he's got. He needs to worry, and because you see, right after that, that, there's a little bit of, okay, I can back up a little yeah. bit. I'm going to take a little more time with this guy. I'm not. I'm not going to. It takes away some of that that energy and that aggressiveness. I can tell you from doing some boxing, you get hit really hard just in the upper arm, and you'll do the math. <laughs> like you <laughs> the go, oh, math. that fucking hit <laughs> yeah. me in the orbital socket. I would die. Like you, you right. can let a guy know. The, yeah, the power. And, and yeah, we use it. And, and nice thing about later on in my career, I didn't have to do that much because people already hurt. Like people, your reputation perceives right, you. Perceive me. And, you know, people take a little, few steps back and take a little bit longer. You know, a little more careful getting close to me to take a shot. Um, so what, uh, Francis and uh, John Jones? What uh, what would your prediction be on a fight like that? 
Um, who's gonna who's gonna who's Vegas gonna gonna say his favorite in that fight? Betting line. Um, that's I mean I don't know I I think John probably I I, I, I think mean him as a betting uh, that's I, it. I mean he's a he's undefeated he's he's a smart fighter he's gonna go he go out there and fight smart he's got a long reach you know he's got a good he moves good he's gonna and he's got a good wrestling so I mean I mean if he takes him down. Ah, and Ganu opened as a as a favorite, not not by much, but then that line's going to move around. And Ganu's such a menacing, imposing, is he? Yeah. But then, well, but then there's one sixty five underdog. Yeah. I don't know. They, they I, always put, I they, they, put a, they always put a big big cushion in there. That's for right. The, that's for the, the that's the big <laughs> to make to make their money. Right. I I think I think that line will move. Yeah, I mean it. It'll go back. I mean, it just depends. John's always, you know, he's stays out of trouble. You know, there's <laughs> always that question. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's serious and he's, you know, going to be, we'll see. Um, I'll be interested. I mean, he's he's going to come out with a good game plan, and I don't know. Just uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not convinced uh, about the about Nagano's wrestling, being able to stop all the takedowns and stop. Yeah, so we'll see. What do you, uh, how much, how many fights have you seen lost on strategy? Because we think of it as just two tough dudes going at it. But so much is strategy because in boxing, it's two guys boxing and may the best boxer win. But if you got a guy who's really good at grappling or wrestling going up against a striker, then there's a strategy big time. Well, yeah. Well, some it just uh, you know styles make fights sometimes, and a, lot, and a lot more when there's so many different things that like one mistake can make make a make a, change a whole fight, and, and and that's one of the great things about MMA is it's guys are, you know, a guy's good at jujitsu. Uh, you know, you, you make a mistake, get taken down, that might be the end of the fight. You know, uh, you know, you know, you get you want, you get obviously you got a good good puncher. You know, one punch, you get you call that wrong punch, it's over. But, what what's the least you've been paid for a professional fight? Least I've been paid for a professional fight. The first UFC I fought in, I got a thousand dollars to be a alternate to a tournament. Oh, UFC wow. UFC seventeen. The and the was, al- alternate is my definition of angst. You're going right, to show up at the know. arena, but you're only going out there if there's a couple of quick knockouts and we need a another fight. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, actually, I actually when I was in the back and uh, it was a. Uh, uh, I was uh, one of the guys that was fighting. I went back he, and he I, went by Chuck the Broke Man. Yeah. <laughs> I went back, back then. And he's asking, he, and he was asking me. Uh, <laughs> he was asking me if I. Uh, he's all, man. I, I, you kickbox, right? My, my legs was pretty sore. I don't know if I should. How do I? How do I get ready for the next you know, the next fight? I said, you know, I, I, I really think you should probably pull out. He's probably, should, <laughs> it's probably, you know, he's probably let that leg rest yeah, and yeah. come back and fight worse. another day. It'd yeah. be better. It's gonna make it worse and. Uh, he didn't listen. But so, you know. Did you fight that night? Oh, I, I no. He, he, I had fought that night. I won, I won my fight. Yeah. Oh, you did. They, they actually at that point they started doing the, making the alternates fight. Oh, okay. So had two alternates, one of, and the winner was could move on. So that way the they hadn't they're not going fresh against the guys that already fought right. before. Because because I think the UFC at that point it had a couple guys come in as an alternate into the finals. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'm fresh. All right. <laughs> you guys been fighting a couple fights already. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Oh, so that was like a tournament type situation. Yeah, it was a tournament type situation. So I was an alternate for a tournament. 
How in the tournaments back then they would fight multiple times in multiple days or one night? One, one night. How many fights would you have in uh, one there, night? Well, that one was a mini tournament. It was only four four man tournament, so it was two fights. Um, and that's why I was trying to talk him out of it because first place was twenty grand and second place was ten grand. So if, if he pulled out, then I, I would have got ten grand or twenty grand, <laughs> right. or whatever. Not to mention I got to fight again, but. Um, but then, that, like that, before that, was a, they were doing eight man tournaments where you fight three times in a night to win the fight. Mm-hmm. I was actually down in, in, if you ever see that one, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I was a, uh, I fought uh, uh, a thirty minute fight. It was one thirty minute round down there. One thirty ba- minute ba- bare round. knuckle, bare uh, knuckle. No, no biting, no eye gouging. You would have loved it. I see they had a they had a, they had ropes. They had a they had a net from the bottom rope to the ed- edge of the the mat. So it's like this. It's like a. They got an angle action. At the end of the fight, I had the guy stuffed underneath the net. I was leaning through, <laughs> punching him through the net. Like he's stuck in a net like a fish. Like, like dolphin. I'm like, I'm like just punching him in the... Uh, well, they're not going to stop it, all right? <laughs> I would like to resurrect the Marquis of Queensberry. Right. And like, oh, this is <laughs> what, what we've become, become everyone. <laughs> yeah. but, but it was like, they, they, they had, before that, I got, originally I, I went down there to be in an eight-man tournament, and they decided to make it a 155-pounder. The guy that that won the tournament, he, he had two thirty minute fights that he won by decision, and fought a guy in the finals who had beat two guys in like a couple minutes. Oh, each. so and he fought third, for an hour. For an hour, and then in the la- and then he won. He won the last fight by decision. So I think he went he, for for an hour and a half to win that fight in one night. Oh, God. Wow! And bare bare, bare, bare knuckle. Day. It was wow. <laughs> it was. I mean, the guy I fought that the next day looked like the elephant man, and like his face was like his swollen, head was swollen, the side of his face was swollen. He's a tough guy. Um, how uh, did you know you're going down there to go bare knuckle? Yeah, oh yeah. I, mean, I was fighting. I was, <laughs> I said, hey, okay. Do you like it? Do you like bare knuckle? Bare knuckle was cool. Actually, I, I actually was really proud afterwards. I had two big bruises right here and right here on my knuckles, like right, right where you're supposed yeah. to punch with. So I, I didn't break my hands, and I. I but that, that was the thing they said. Put if you get the taper and put put uh, put uh, gloves on, you're you're protecting your hands, right? You know, so you're able to hit harder. Like guys hit too hard in the head, you break your hands, right? Did uh, I'm not getting why they had the gill net on the on the I, ring. I, I, I don't know. They, I, I guess they want people to slide out the bottom. I, I don't know. It was pretty weird. No like, escape. Was, <laughs> I was like... But Hide it, under the octagon. I was like... Because it, it, it would have been one thing if it went straight down, right? right. That would have been fine. But it went under. It went like an angle. It was like All right, a, wait. Are we looking at a picture of you doing yeah, this? Yeah. That, well, that's, he's like, <laughs> the net's back there. You can see the back. Yeah. Back, right. the net. Uh-huh. But it, it goes from the bottom rope to the edge. And like you, God, later on, he's, he slid underneath that... With the Fu Manchu and the Mohawk, this does kind of look like a hate crime yeah, joke. I gotta, yeah. I gotta be honest with you. I wouldn't go throwing that picture. Around. Yeah, history will not be kind. To, wow. <laughs> so, uh, last question, Chuck, uh, before we roll on to the news. Um, the uh, devil may care approach to uh, bare knuckle fighting and and uh, getting in the octagon with some of the well. The funniest part about that was yes. was I walked out the last thing was I got in the thing I go we get everyone gets out of the ring and there's one guy in the center and, and I go back to my corner and I'm like hey man isn't that his manager out there he's like my corner's like yeah yeah it's fine don't just go fight <laughs> okay alright but his manager was the, the referee wait a second <laughs> some dangerous Danny Davis bullshit right there <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like um okay, okay. 
All right. You're going to have to make it beyond a reasonable doubt then. Yeah. I got a decision. They, they, they gave me a decision. I was, I mean, it's kind of hard not to. I had right. him in the, underneath the <laughs> rope. Just, I had stuck for like that. the last couple of minutes. Just. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we uh, take a break, come back and uh, do the news? Chuck, hang out. And we'll uh, do this right after this. News with Gino Grad, breaking viral, weird crime protest politics. Give me news with Gino Grad, stuff they saw on TMZ. Joe Biden, come on, beat news with Gina Gino Grad. The news with Gina Grad. I think Chuck should do the news. He's, he's giving us all kinds of tidbits. What'd you find out, Chuck? Well, no, I was just saying, saying they, you know, they had, I was, they said they, uh, I saw something in the news about, they, they cut the pig's head off and put it on one of the guys that was uh, testifying on. On behalf Shaw, of Shaw, 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 Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But it's like. It was Godfather yeah. shit. It was his old residence, but they yeah. didn't know it. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, out of state. Yeah, yeah, was, like, I was out. Where was it? I feel like it may have been in California. Yeah, did you hear I, about that story? Didn't hear about that. At all. I didn't either. Yeah, oh, you didn't hear about mm-hmm. it? You got to watch the right news. I know. <laughs> You're watching. Like, no, you got you know, you to look at the all radio. the different. You got to look at all yeah, the different news. They, like, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they went to one of the experts who was uh, for the defense. Right. And they put a severed pig's head on their house, and then they smeared. Pig's blood, I guess, was uh, on the on the house. Very nice, nice of them. But you know, again, it's gonna it's it's gonna cause the mistrial. That's 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 the problem. Well, I know you guys uh, think you're talking about the top story today, and I get that. That's cute. But let's talk about the real top story. Uh, Singer Demi Lovato has further explained her concerns over the uh, yogurt shop that she felt, yeah, that she was being um, triggered by. So let's get into that. This is gonna be devastated. (laughs) We talked about this a little yesterday. She felt triggered by the um, the sugar free offerings because of her eating disorder. Really, like yeah. really, like I, I saw that earlier. I'm like, wh- where are we going with this? Like, I mean, we can't. You can't have a sugar free option because oh. someone might get offended by because they have an eating disorder. Yes, but and what about it helping people that have? We're trying not to die, to diet Chuck, or please. not diet. It's- Chuck, this sounds like hate speech. Oh my god! So I'm going to give you uh, a, a picture sample. up of Chuck punching uh, Demi Lovato. <laughs> I'm going to give you a sample. I of, like uh, Demi too. Like, I yeah, like her. This is, she's, she's this is someone who seems, I just, it's just like it's like what a little a little stuck in a bubble right now. But um, but so over the weekend she admonished the Big Chill, Brian's favorite place, for its abundance of sugar free options. And before getting into anything else, here's a clip from her Instagram Live account talking about why this was so. true triggering for her i still to this day have a hard time walking into a froyo shop ordering yogurt and being content with it and keeping it down i know that seems like not a huge deal to a lot of people but for me it is so by the time i got to the counter after seeing so much diet stuff and health food stuff like I, it wasn't clear to me that it was for specific health needs, and so I didn't know. I didn't know that. Like I just took it as okay. I'm going into a froyo shop. I'm seeing sugar free. I'm seeing this and that. If I if there was a sign that said celiac, vegan, I would have understood. That would have been clear messaging to me. Because it wasn't clear, oh, I definitely jumped to conclusions. But she's offering. And she's offering to help. Probably shouldn't have 
you know, gone about this the way that I have, but I'm willing to talk to this Froyo shop. God. To help get the messaging right. All right. Whoever dragged her in there by gunpoint really has a lot of explaining to do. Uh, Chuck, any of the guys you fought bare knuckle in Brazil have issues with uh, Froyo? Yeah, they do. They they don't like Froyo. They big they, they, conversation it's, it's, in the yeah, locker room. They get, it's a big conversation. Traumatized by get, it? Traumatized because we're dieting. You know, people start talking about eating when we can't eat. Right. You know? Yeah, you're cutting weight. I'm cutting weight. You're talking about on the soft swirl. Yeah, and I'm That's like, wait, I, I want to eat. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I've got to say a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, if you have difficulty every time you enter a Froyo shop, there's not a slide from your front yard into the fucking Froyo shop. <laughs> it's not like you open your front door and slip and enter a flume that spits you out like the Joker and the Riddler and Batman. Right. It's a Groundhog Day situation. You wake up and you're, you're in the Froyo shop. Yeah. I get an uncontrollable boner every time I enter an auto parts store, and that's why I always wear underpants and tight jeans. I don't wear sweatpants with no Tommy Johns when I right. go to those places. Understood. I prepare. Yeah, that's you have what, to take I, care what I'm saying. So if she has difficulty with Froyo shops, I would argue there's almost nothing easier than not going into a Froyo shop. I never get Froyo. I, I don't either. It's eminently doable. So How many of us have accidentally <laughs> found ourselves in a Froyo shop? Well, and that's the thing. It's something that's planned. As a woman and as somebody who, like, gets it and kind of gets what where, where she's coming from, like, I get it. In general, like, diet culture, I think we can all agree is predatory and, like, kind of dated. And, like, there are plenty of things to move past. But taking aim, first of all, and now I know the big chill exists. I got to check this place out, oh, which is a lot. What a lot of people are probably thinking, but yeah. taking aim at like a, you know, whatever a mom and pop shop because you have had eating disorder issues is not fair or or sensical. Well, also, I'm going to now even the the playing field because I've said many times when I see guys walking out. And they're wearing like the ostrich skin boots and mm-hmm. they got their ponytail pulled through the hole in the back of their ball cap. I go, I don't blame them. I blame their wife. Right. Because they mm-hmm. let them they let walk them out. out the of This guy obviously has no clue what's going on, but he does live with a woman and she should fucking pipe up and it's her fault. Right. Like, Offline defense. If Phil bites somebody, mm-hmm. I'm on the hook That's for you. it. It's not Phil's fault. It's my fault. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, he's a sl- uh, <laughs> That's why I had to take a picture. Phil is, jelly. Phil is capsized behind me. But okay, so now I'm going to say turnabout is fair play. There needs to be a man in a woman's life. And when she comes home mm. from uh, Humphrey Yogarts right. with a fucking head full of steam, like, I'm going to show these guys and their <laughs> vegan <laughs> cookies. <laughs> uh, the, that's when it's time for dad to walk <laughs> into the room and right. go, sweetheart, you really want to go down yeah. this road? Let's take a walk. Let's take let's a let's walk this. this off. You'll yeah. burn those calories. We'll take a yeah. walk. Yeah. And, and further. Because if there's a dude anywhere in her life... Go, he has to intervene at that point. Well, it's funny you should say that because I have a little bit of tidbit. Now, I understand they're making money off her when she's the star touring, you know, in, in you know, as a singer. So I get it. You know, you got to the world does revolve around the, the person who's bringing in the cash. But Lovato has been widely outspoken about her struggles with eating disorders, bulimia and drug use. In her documentary, it was revealed that Lovato had an eating disorder relapse during her Tell Me You Love Me tour in 2018. Here's what happened uh, while on tour people around her had to be drug tested regularly and were allegedly instructed by lovato's former team to be careful about what and how they ate around her 
Mm. So she's used to being in a world where how dare the big chill do mm. this. Totally understandable. I'm sure she struggled. It's a real thing. But the, the, this, this big chill thing is a little overstepping. You know what I mean? It's just narcissism. Everyone doesn't realize well, her, what they sound like. You know what I mean? I think it's about both. Her struggles are real, obviously. Oh, yeah. Look, her, everyone's yeah. struggles are real, yeah. depending on what they are. You just can't. Has a self-awareness to understand. That's the narcissism And saying, part. I, oh. will, I will offer my time to educate them. Sorry, Gergos yeah. is on line one. Mark? How about that, Adam? We film or record beyond a reasonable doubt, and boom, then the verdicts come back. I know. Uh, so guilty on all three. Could you walk us through that? Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's got uh, quite a peculiar system there. In virtually every other um, uh, jurisdiction, if you convict on the most serious count, the jury is instructed your job stops there, and your, the others are what are called lesser included. Minnesota allows them to convict on all three, which I don't understand what the point is, but he will only be sentenced on the most serious count, which is the second degree. They also, for anybody who was watching the verdict, he talked about the Blakely factor. That is, they've got a sentencing scheme in um, uh, Minnesota that is somewhat similar to the federal. And so what happens is they waived jury on the sentencing factors. So the judge will make a determination on that. Um, The upshot is sentencing is in eight weeks, and Derek Chauvin is going to spend the rest of his life in prison absent uh, an appeal because his sentence is going to be somewhere north of 40 years. Um, What uh, what's your take? Um, well, I, look, the tsunami of um, public opinion and people weighing in and things that happened, there, uh, you know, it really, um, I didn't think, I mean, it, it would have required a Herculean task by a juror to stand up to that because it really is a tsunami in, uh, in that uh, kind of favor of a guilt. Um, and I'm of two minds. I've told you this all along. One of the, I was texting with a um, client of mine who you know, Adam, and she was, uh, you know, fin- relieved that finally a uh, cop had been convicted in one of these cases. On the other hand, I've sat there when verdicts were read you know, 20 years ago for the then current most hated man in America. And um, you say to yourself, um, you know, this kind of reminds me of the uh, the lions and the Christians. So I, I am of two minds. I I don't mind a guilty verdict. I just I have a I have a lot of reverence for the process. And when the process, I think, is gained, you know, to some degree, I just uh, that that irks me. It's one of the reasons, as you know, why I take cases when every you know the, uh, everybody else tell me you know you, you should run for the hills. I just hate the idea of what I consider to be a railroad sometimes. In this case, is, um, is you know I, I know people don't like to hear this, but the process was subverted repeatedly in this case, and, um, uh, and that's uh, that's not something that sits well all the time. What do you think a just uh, verdict would have been based on you watching the lion's share of the of the trial and, and weighing the evidence? Uh, between the look, this was to my mind, this was a um, manslaughter bordering on a third degree murder. 
because of the failure to render aid. I mean, that alone, I think, um, made this a, a devastating case. Um, but it's always tough to get jurors to see it that way when it's a cop. And um, uh, so I understand the kind of catharsis, uh, the national catharsis, but the idea of Maxine Waters going there and threatening, you know, confrontation if it, if it isn't the right verdict and, and basically saying a manslaughter isn't good enough. The idea of the president weighing in, um, even though he's a former the public defender, uh, albeit 50 years ago. Uh, and I know he said the only reason he was weighing in is because um, they were sequestered. But that, that, I just, I, that doesn't sit well with me. I, I, you know, the whole, the factual, uh, you know, the kneeling on the neck or the back and kind of that, that lack of emotion, failure to give aid, uh, you know, that boils my blood, too. So, I'm, I, like I said, I've been very mixed emotions about all of this. But when they went and spilled pig's blood on and a severed pig's head on a defense expert witness's house that he wasn't living in anymore, when they announced a $27 million settlement during jury selection, when you have, when you're entering a courthouse that looks like an armed encampment in Fallujah, and you're ringing around with people cheering, that is just, you know, I understand why, but that, that gives me pause. What uh, hold on, yeah. Quint, Gina's got a question. Let me ask first. What, where, how does the mistrial now factor in? Let, let's say you're representing Derek Chauvin. What are you doing right now? You're you're putting together a motion for new trial. Mistrial is done at this point because the mistrial is generally only when the jury is impaneled. Since he waived the jury for the aggravating circumstances. That means Judge Cahill is going to decide that. So mistrial's gone. He's got the ability now, uh, Eric Nelson does, to make a motion for new trial. The judge will not grant that. Uh, he'll, the judge is going to, uh, you know, he couldn't have recessed quick enough in this case and was off the bench. He's going to let this thing, he's going to sentence him. He's going to find a bunch of aggravating factors. He's going to sentence him to basically the rest of Chauvin's natural life, and then he's going to let the appellate court deal with it. What about the feds? Well, the feds at this point, um, I don't understand why they would come in, what interest they would vindicate the, at this point. He's been convicted. He's going to get sentenced for the rest of his natural life. I, I don't know that you want to put a community through this or the country through this again to have a second trial. I always thought that the feds were there solely to backstop in case there was a not guilty verdict, which, by the way, also had the effect, I think, I'm going to guess and speculate, of making sure that Chauvin didn't take the stand because uh, the lawyer would have been um, in between recommending he take the stand when he knows anything that he says can be used against him in the federal case. Plus, there's, there's some nuances in the law, too. The Supreme Court of Minnesota is yet to determine on um, a couple of these issues involving police officers. That'll be down the road, but it's going to be years before uh, Derek Chauvin gets to any appellate stage where he's going to be able to seek any kind of relief whatsoever. I mean, he's uh, as far as he's concerned, he's done. Uh, Jean, did you have a question? Yeah, no, that you answered it perfectly. Just what, what's the appeals process now? And that, that totally makes sense. Hey, can- yeah, these, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see any relief appellate relief for him for years and years and years 
Uh, two last questions, Mark. Can <laughs> Dr. Drew sue the L.A. Times, and can I use one of your planes to go to Appleton, Wisconsin on May 7th and May 8th? Those are my last two questions. In reverse order of importance. Right. In reverse order. Definitely in reverse order. Now, Dr. Drew doesn't have a case against the Times. Come but on. It's interesting to me. Let me tell you what the, what is interesting to me. The Times has been... The, the slant at the Times, they've been writing articles about how the recall is ridiculous, even though two million people did it. They're the ones who've been pumping out this. It's all QAnon right-wing Republicans, even though virtually every Democrat my age that I know, good Democrats who contribute money to Democratic causes, have said this guy has got to go. And then what they've done is they've published opinion pieces almost side by side, one taking down Drew because they know there's a contingent that wants Drew to run for governor, and another one taking down Caitlyn Jenner because they're afraid Caitlyn Jenner would have the celebrity that's needed. And it's, they should just disclose, there should be a disclosure of, okay, we have an agenda, and the agenda is to keep Newsom here and Garcetti here, and we're not going to, um, we're not going to be uh, forced from that. Interestingly today, Judge Carter, the federal judge who is overseeing the uh, homeless issue in L.A. County, he just issued an order. They've been ordering the county and the city and Garcetti. You've got until October 1st to house everybody uh, in this uh, in this county. Oh. And the reason he did that, Judge Carter, and I've appeared in front of Judge Carter. I think he's one of the best federal district court judges in the country. He did it because he's sick and tired of the nonsense of the county and the city. And I, you can, I, and I knew he would get to that point just having appeared in front of him. He's not buying anything they're selling. Crazy. Any updates in uh, Tinhorn Flats and that saga? You're, by the time this drops, we will have done a motion to dissolve the preliminary injunction, and we're requesting sanctions against the city of Burbank for violating the court order that they themselves went in to seek. Okay. So we'll and, see uh, what happens. That's, that's the latest. Nobody else knows that. Don't Just forget about Big Boy. Girls, yeah, okay? what about Big Boy to Wisconsin? Oh, now it's Big Boy. Before it was I could borrow either one. No, Big Boy. It only took you 45 seconds to upgrade yourself. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Bye, you guys. Love you you all. Take care. All right. Well, there There you go. go. (laughs) Great Mark Garagos. Expert, am I right? (laughs) What's the other jet called? The baby jet? There's uh, Big Boy, and yeah, if you can't remember, you can't afford it. Right. <laughs> it's the one that's not Big Boy, but it's uh, it's fine. But yeah. once you get used to the oh, big one, it's hard. Back. It's hard to go back. Sure. Although, I gotta say, you guys tell me if you're wired uh, is um, I don't know. I, I, I I'm not proud of this wiring, but it's a pragmatic. No, it's not pragmatic. It's 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 really it's an ugly wiring. Oh no! All right, it's I. Uh, <laughs> I, it's the same wiring I have if you go, like, you went to the French Laundry, Fuck right? Yeah. That was a big deal, and uh, you're not saving all year for it, but it's a big deal. Oh, you're yeah. not, it's you're Christie's not, 40th birthday anniversary. You're not going there twice. You're no, not going no. there twice a month. We're going again this summer, but no. Of course. Right. All right. <laughs> you go to a place like that, 
and the couple next to you has their eight-year-old with them. Yes. And it no fucks yes. me up. I'm like, fuck, you know, I worked my whole life to get to right. this place, and you just <laughs> keep wearing your underwear. never know what he's doing. Yeah. Right. right. Well, I kept saying, like, who's getting on? Who's flying out? Who's getting on? And it was always like, some of Mark's colleagues, and mm. then your crew's getting on. His son got on with his oh. friends. Jake got on with two of his friends. Party bus! <laughs> yeah, and they're like, party time. And I was like, fuck, my dad would never get me this plane. And then I got angry at my dad. Yeah, I get that. No, that's not an ugly wiring at all. I mean, to feel vindictive over it would be ugly. But to recognize it, like, that fucking kid has no idea what he's in for, or no idea what he's getting, or no idea, you know, he's not going to value it yeah. the way I am. I'm fucking, whatever you are. Goddamn right. All right. Well, remind me to make a note to Mark. I'm not flying with Jake anymore. I'll fly the big boy, but. I'm not going That's with his son. Chuck, any thoughts on private jets? It's his friends that <laughs> buy I love them when I get on them, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah but you're a great, a great guy, right? You're like, yeah. were you a bouncer or something? Before? Yeah, a bouncer, like, bartender. There were many years of yeah. not you know, right. private flights, oh, I'm yeah. sure. The first time I was on a private private flight was pretty crazy. <laughs> See, I, I actually, the first time I was on one, I flew from, they flew me from, on Southwest, from, from my aunt, from, I was in, uh, I was in Tampa Bay. They flew me from on Southwest. They said, Do you want to go with us on a trip at the Fertitas? I'm like, So I get on this plane, Southwest, and I get on, and I got I got a seat next to the window, and I got a, like a little, little girl on the, in the aisle, you know, small, small person. And then this big guy comes on. He's about six, three, six, four. When about, Chuck Lee calls you a big guy, yeah. about 270, 280, comes walking down. No. And I, I'm looking at him, like, Please don't sit by me. Please don't sit by me. He walks by my. He doubles back. He doubles back. Oh. There's no other seats. He looks, oh. at, he looks at her and goes, can I, um, do you mind if I sit on the end and, and you sit in the middle? He said, I'm claustrophobic. So, <laughs> so he's like, looks at me like, so I'm like, oh, bro. Oh, oh, like, man. So then I get, get to Vegas and they, and I don't know what's going on. We're just going to, I said I'd go on a trip with them. Um, and they, they pick me up and they take me over to the hangar and I get on a G4 with like three other people <laughs> and we fly. All the way across the country. We fly back across the country, by the way. Like, you guys couldn't have picked me up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys couldn't. But we flew back and we flew out to Ibiza. It was, it was a, pretty crazy. Then, then I went Then I went for my first time on a yacht. Never been on a yacht in my life, ever, to, on a 207-foot, I, I think it was. On a 207-foot yacht. With, they had 88-foot tenders. Uh, like, oh. the, the tender boat. That's actually extra boat, you know, in case right. it's a small Dock they got to go into. Yeah, There's no going was, back. Yeah, that was like, oh man, that, this, this this is nice. It was right after I won the I won the world, world title in 2005. I was 35, so that was the first time I was on a private plane. Wow. First time on a on a yacht. Top but, of the world. But wow. I was like, man, is, is this where I am? Jesus. <laughs> I had the same thought, Adam, when I watched that show Below Deck about super mm-hmm. yachts, and like every once in a while, the kid they'll bring their kid, their five or six right. seven year old kid. It's like, what is that kid doing there? And then the ch- the kids always like, they're, you're out of chicken tenders. Yeah, right. like, well, we uh, have caviar for dinner. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want fish sticks. Yeah. yeah. All right, sorry, one more, Gina. All right, well, Ted Nugent, uh, he has taken to Facebook to announce he has tested positive for COVID-19, and he has not been having a good time. 100% bullshit. Well, he had said that in the past about COVID, but uh, Monday night, Nugent had said he had flu symptoms for 10 days. He felt like he was dying. He's 72. He had called COVID-19 not a real pandemic. You know what's interesting? I don't know if you have it in the quote, but I read Ted's thing about it. We're going to let Ted tell you in a second. if, does he say people told me? No, people said yes. don't talk d- d- about d- d- this. Okay. Uh, so yeah, in the video the Monday, he said he did. He did say people uh, told him don't, don't, don't announce that you have COVID. Um, but here's a clip of of Nugent's Facebook Live, and he'll tell you himself. 
I have an announcement to make. Today is uh, the 19th, is that right? The 19th of April 2021, during clusterfuck pandemic, Chinese virus attack 21. I was tested positive today. I got the Chinese shit. Jesus Christ. Actually, it's the only thing I don't have is the shit. Boy, I got a stuffed up head. Body aches. My God, what a pain in the ass. I literally can hardly crawl out of bed the last few days. But I did. I crawled. I don't look like I've been crawling, do I? <laughs> so where's the, where's the part where they told him not to say anything? I, I just It was one of the pull quotes from here, so keep the clip short. But um, He but didn't you, have to because uh, nobody knows where he lives. Yeah, no one's going to right. identify him. And right. no one's going to be like the Sprouts in uh, Tennessee going, right. where's Ted Nugent? He's always here on Mondays at this time. But I do wonder, and I mean, t- correct, please correct me if I'm wrong because I could be, I could be uh, exaggerating. Um, but how do you go from, like, how can it be both at the same time? How can it be not real? It's no big deal. And like the Chinese, they got us again. Like, how do you get to do both at the same time? I haven't really followed Ted's thoughts on COVID. I think there's I think here, well, here's my thoughts on it. There there's a group of people that are all in mm-hmm. uh, half the guys I went to hang out with right. in Hollywood. They're right. just fucking all in. Like I call them and I go, hey, I'm going to come by. And they go, well, we'll drink a beer in the driveway. <laughs> but I'm not coming out of the house. Like there's all ends. Right. Then there's the probably very small flat out deniers like those are the flat earthers, hollow earth. You know, this doesn't exist. No, that's Kong. That's where Kong Kong comes from. I'd like to combine the flat and the hollow. Yeah, Just go right through the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. Then there's this there's this group that is sort of like me and Drew, which is the media's going ballistic. Right. We're ruining the economy. We don't need to have the schools shut the down. Who are getting lumped in with the flat earthers? Right. Like you're a denier. It's like I, I don't know anyone who how I don't know any sane person that could deny this. You, right. You're arguing with the tin horn flats being shut down by the Burbank Popo, right. not with the denial right. of the virus. So I don't know where Ted falls in yeah. on this spectrum. Do you think there's not a lot of nuanced people view? People have nuanced views on the coronavirus, or are they just not as loud as the people on the edges? You know, I mean, the deniers and the. Uh, I, I the think extreme. they're both in a rush to put the other in a category, mm. like the I've been called a COVID denier, but the the the. the the bar to clear to become a COVID denier is like saying, my kid's school's been closed for a year. Kids are yeah. safe. Open the school. That'll get you into that right. club. You know what I mean? And they're both both bars are easy to clear yeah. for both sides because yeah. they want to point and wag their finger at, at each side. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I mean, I, I'm like, like I, was, I got COVID back in October or whatever. I had no symptoms. I found out because I was traveling. Like so, right. I decided to get wow. get a test to travel, and I'm like, I, I, I'm asymptomatic, so I didn't, I didn't know I had it. And three of my family members, there's three of us that had it, two didn't, and we were about as close as they get. Like we, you know, you know, two of my kids didn't get it. My, me and my wife and my my. How did the people who aren't Chuck Liddell fare in the symptom department? Um, family uh, we, members. We, we yeah. my, my wife had the she had the word she didn't um, she couldn't taste, taste yeah. she, she didn't couldn't taste for a while that, that, but that was it like other than that she maybe I, I don't know she was fine I mean other than that my other daughter didn't have any none that's good but they had that but we had I mean we had you know 
<laughs> but but that's the thing. Like Brian, to your question, uh, unfortunately, I got to say, anecdotally, I think it's I think it's the latter. latter. Because I mean, I got I got friends that I consider wonderful, reasonable people, and I hear some shit, and I'm going, oh god, I'm just going to well, jump my, off my, this my text. Problem thread. is, no, it's, they're not consistent. Like it's right. like, oh, yeah, I, I I went in right early on, and I got, went in and I went up to go get rent a, a U-Haul to move something for for my my wife's uh, mother needed to be moved in the middle of pandemic so all right so we went down to go get a rental car so i'm standing there in line and they got like a post six feet mm-hmm. i guess away from where they're at with the plastic thing up mm-hmm. and they mean no no you gotta go back there and hurry up get back. oh i'm like cool okay sorry uh, do i look that scary my car, i put my <laughs> card in back here and then go through all this and this guy walks around and hands me the key right <laughs> and walks me up to the car and i'm walking with him going why couldn't i just talk to you at the desk, you're standing next to me, talking to me, explaining the truck to me, with handing me the key with your. You don't have gloves on or right. anything. Like it's inside. Are we. Which is it? Well, which is it? Which every, one do you want to be? Every be time I go to the airport, <laughs> I laugh because oh the airport is. You know, you got to mask up. Everything's masked up. But as soon as you check in, you give me your ID. You got to drop your mask because the chick can't recognize you if you don't drop your mask. Either way. Uh, well, then once you get on the plane, all bets are off. Oh. Who Ted gets COVID laugh. now? now? I, I don't know. That's, that's uh, Ted Nugent's been eligible since mid-January in Michigan <laughs> to get a, a vaccination. Yeah. Well, well he well, has thoughts about wait, the vaccination. I, I, I bet he does. Say. But does the vaccination actually stop you from getting it, or just limit the? Because I, from what I've I've heard that it doesn't stop you stop you from getting it. It just limits your right or or your, spreading right. it. You're cool, but the other person. But might you're not still, be. you can still spread it. You can still right. get it, but you just don't have as bad of. Symptoms. Real quick, just um, if we're on the last story, there's a new. uh, You got Pfizer, right, Brian? I did. Me too. Um, Be on the lookout for uh, spontaneous herpes. Oh, uh, because that's (laughs) on on Christy. Oh, hold on. Yeah, that just means one of the researchers has herpes, (laughs) and he's like, yeah. Oh, and it can make you gassy. Didn't right. you hear? It can make you gassy. Hey, baby, I didn't do anything. Um, yeah. I, I, I got it's it from the Pfizer. It was a Pfizer. Yeah, right. small print. And again, this is a very, very preliminary and small study, but this happened in Israel. So and- you guys named Dave? <laughs> So basically, um, six cases in a study of 100 and I think it was like 149 people. I'm, I'm just skimming it real quick. Did develop uh, a skin rash known as herpes zoster Ooh. after the Pfizer vaccine. Um, if left untreated, it could cause nerve damage and pain. And uh, everyone just be on the oh, for, from 491 people, six experienced herpes That's zoster. That's why Ted didn't get the shot. Right. Keep it too safe. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as the wait. Which shot was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. The, have you had a vaccination, Chuck? Uh, no, not yet. As the as the thing winds down, it's an interesting thing. So you want to get everyone vaccinated, mm-hmm. but as the disease as as COVID starts winding down, and as the side effects start mm-hmm. ramping up. You're taking this last group of people who are thinking about getting vaccinated, yeah. and every day they're hearing some story about yeah. something. A and then they're also kind of looking around going, well, Texas is open, yeah. and now you, they're being less inclined right. to get out and get the shot. All right, let me tell you about – oh, let's bring it home, Gina You Grant's got done. it. I'm Gina Grant, and that's the news. I'm in favor of legalizing all drugs. Gina, Gina Grant.
That was the news with Gina Grad. All right. Last but not least, there's Signal Wire powering the future of remote business communications. A major TV studio recently needed remote actors to re record and dub their lines. Now, this has to be super clear if you're going to dub mm-hmm. lines. They use Signal Wire's low latency audio and video tech with virtually no sound or video lag. SignalWire's design mimics the in-office experience, offering quick, informal, unscheduled interactions that are crucial to employees' productivity and solidifying a company's uh, culture. This technology is mind-numbing. I was on the phone with all these, I want to say on the phone, I was on SignalWire with all these guys for a half hour in and out of rooms, smart, clear, beautiful and uh, you can future-proof your business. We get set up with single wire. Uh, I should say signal wire. Sign up before April 30th and signalwire.com. That's where you go. Um, with the code Adam, and they'll buy lunch for the first team meeting. So go to signalwire.com for terms and conditions and use the code Adam and sign up and get that free lunch. Richard Kind is coming in here. Yes. Love Richard Kind. <laughs> I love Richard Kind too. He's uh, Bing forever. Ball. He's Bing Ball. Right. I gotta have him record some right. for Tessa from uh, uh, Inside Out. Inside Out, yeah. Yeah, I have a, you know, I have a weird feeling about him because um, I have this bad tendency, which is um, uh, Sal, cousin Sal, his youngest kid Archie, mm-hmm. um, looked uh, like. Uh, Clint Howard when he was a kid. Okay, but yeah. but but he looked like Clint Howard when Clint Howard was a kid, on Channel right. Bad yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. And yeah. I was just to say it, and everyone would yell at me. <laughs> and then uh, I have another friend whose wife looks like Richard Kind. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> but, but here's the problem. Come on, <laughs> she's good looking. She just she looks favors like Richard, Richard Kind. Looking Richard Kind. Okay. I don't know how to explain. Some people have the eyes, yeah, or they have absolutely. features, or yes. they have something. Yes. You know, my, my wife sees that with everybody. Like, oh, you kind of look like something. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't tell that. I mean, tell me, like, so you, you can see it on that person, right? I'm like, okay, yeah, no. But Richard <laughs> Kind doesn't go over well with the ladies, That's especially <laughs> if it's cross gender. Because I, we have a, a daycare friend. The wife looks like a, a good looking female James Franco. And if you look oh, at James Franco, that? that's like yeah. a, it's a very feminine look. Like that's that's a compliment. Well, he's already pretty. Richard, that, Richard is Richard. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's not a pretty boy like James Franco. None of us are. Icebreakers, the name of the podcast. Chuck Liddell and Adam Ray. New episodes Mondays on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube as well. And uh, look out for uh, Dana White on this week. Uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, Skyline Comedy Club, May 7th and 8th. And Los Angeles, we're doing a live pod out there. Jam in the Van, May 22nd. Golden, Colorado, Buffalo Rose, June 18th, 19th. So just go to amcurl.com. Go to Royal Oak, uh, Michigan. Say hi to Ted in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Say hi to <laughs> Gina's uh, kin, kinfolk. Right. And until next time, it's Adam Kroll for Dr. Drew, Mark Garrigus, Chuck Liddell, Gina Grad, and Bull Bryan. Say it. Mahalo. Please, for the love of God, do not appoint Dr. Drew to work with the homeless in any capacity. Follow 
of the Adam Carolla Show on Twitter at Adam Carolla Show. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Carolla. Catch Gina Grad on the podcast Easy Listening and Bald Brian on the podcast The Film Vault and the rest of us turkeys on The Water Cooler. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744 and pick up something from Adam, books, movies, and more. Go to adamcarolla.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey, movie lovers. Who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device.